Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we are speaking with Mike and Nick Fio. These guys founded a company called Blankets of Hope. You got it, yes. They deliver blankets to homeless people during the winter and so much more. You have to hear how they do it. Their mission is to bring kindness to the entire world by 2025. I love these guys. They're like brothers to me and they are brothers indeed. So please enjoy this episode. I'd love to know what you thought about it. Thank you again for your time. All right, my brothers, Nick and Mike, it's so, so good to see you here. Thank you for joining me today on Emotional Optimism, the uh, living in the silver lining. I'm really, really stoked to have you and those beautiful smiles of yours. <laughs> well, thank you for having us. We're super excited to have a conscious conversation with you. Like, yeah. yeah, and we missed you. I'm so yeah. happy to talk to you. <laughs> it's been too long. It's been way, way too long. Um, but let's dive in. I'd love to just get uh, get grounded on who each of you are and like, why are we even here? So like what brought us together would be amazing from your point of view. And, and obviously I'll chime in, but um, let's, let's go uh, younger to older. I am Mike Fio and uh, I am one of two brothers from Brooklyn and also co-founders of Blankets of Hope. I'm Nick Fio. I'm obviously the other brother here, co-founder of Blankets of Hope with Mike. And I think what really connected us with Claude is this shared mission to, you know, really bring more love and light into the world. And I think uh, it was kind of serendipitous how we came to, to meet each other. And But I think really the, the alignment is this vision for a world united in love that we both share. Yeah. Also, I want to tell a quick story. <laughs> when I when we first went to see you, Claude, I remember being in your office and you were coaching us at the time, like acting as our life coach. And I remember one of the first things you said to me was, hello, old friend. And I was like shaken to the core by that, because I think the other thing that really connects us is this uh, deep sense of spirituality and this idea that we are all connected. And uh, when you said that to me, it just shook me to my core. And ever since then, I mean, we really are old friends and we will forever be friends, I think. thousand percent. I have such chills. Yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're my brothers. You're my guys. You always have. Exactly. I, just, I love you so much. I love you so much. And we love you. Let's go. Um, you know what I'd love to talk about is kind of like your origins. I mean, your brothers, obviously, you're a couple years apart. What was it like growing up in your house? Like, where was love? Where was kindness? You know, how yeah. has that really become sticky for you? That's a great question. So Mike and I had such an unbelievable childhood. Uh, so fortunate. We come from two immigrant parents uh, who came here from Italy to you know give their kids a better life. And I think they poured every ounce of love they could into all four of their kids. And Mike and I are on the bottom end of that spectrum. So we have two older siblings. Uh, and as you can imagine, four kids in a the household, there was plenty of uh, chaos. Uh, <laughs> so we, we got to learn a lot within our, our, our little family that we had there in terms of how to deal with people and how to work together. And uh, yeah, I think we were just so lucky to have parents that gave us so much unconditional love uh, that we almost feel like it's our obligation now to kind of go out and give that love to the people that weren't as fortunate as us and uh, kind of be that messenger. 
And also to paint a, a more accurate picture, just to be clear, we grew up in a household full of Italian-American yelling, just constant yelling and yelling and yelling. Yeah. Um, but that didn't mean that the love wasn't underneath that yelling. It's just how Italian-Americans seem to communicate, I guess. Um, yeah. So it was pretty funny that there's always like, you know, arguments happening. But underneath it all, like Nick said, there was just this undercurrent of unconditional love that we always received like yeah. our entire lives and like nick said we we always felt this pull to share that love with others because we felt so blessed to have it and i would say as we grew older and older especially once we like hit our entrepreneurial journey we realized how many people out there were not as fortunate to be as loved and we have friends you know that were in his love, like really close friends. And it really makes a huge difference. Like growing up with that love really makes, in my opinion, all the difference sometimes. And so I think it's that, that sense of family. Like we were, uh, I think one of the like biggest things that now looking back over my life was, was so important was my mom and dad always having us sit down at the table for dinner at the same time all together. Yeah. Uh, it's like those little things that like you, you kind of think they're annoying when you're a kid, right? <laughs> like you want to be out with your friends and playing, but you have to be home at a certain time for dinner. And now that I look back at it, I, I see like how important that was for the beautiful relationship we all had together still today. Right. And it, I think it, it stemmed from just sitting at that table, breaking bread and, Kind of sharing our, you know, our fears and our uh, accomplishments and all that. It, it that was a big part of kind of how we've developed into the people we are today. I love that. You know, I can so relate because we had dinner together every single night, and sometimes we'd have you know friends over and they'd join the dinner dinner table dinner conversation. And my parents would always want us to read poetry. My you know my mom you know was like an English lit. I think she has her. Uh, her master's in English lit. My dad's, wow. he's a, a finance guy, but they have a huge love of, of the written word. And so from early on, you know, they would pull down these poetry books and I, I actually got to love poetry that way. And also then, you know, later loved it in school. But in the beginning, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I drink <laughs> poetry tonight at dinner, you know. And, <laughs> And poetry sometimes is really difficult to understand, especially like as an yeah. 11, 12, 13 year old, you're like, yeah. it's all about me and it's not, yeah. you know, so anyway, but, um, but I love that. I, just a question about your parents and you've so, you've both told me so much about them and I just feel like I know them and I do have to come to a Sunday night dinner one, one of these days <laughs> for sure. Where did they get their love from? Where, where, you know, coming coming to America, obviously a completely different world that they grew up in. Where did they get their sense of, you know, that well and that wealth of just amor, you know, yeah. amore? <laughs> I, I, it, 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 I think it really, it stems from that one word of family. I think Italians really value this concept of family. And uh, so my mom, our mom came from this very small, in the town in the mountains of Italy and uh, you know it has about a thousand people in, in the town and we'll go back to visit and what we've learned by going back is that it's really like this this little family that exists in this town and there's just so much love and so much cooperation and people just all having each other's back and I think her growing up in that environment definitely shaped her to being who she is and it, it kind of feels like it's getting passed on right because our grandmother is 
possibly the greatest human being I know, <laughs> right? And she's like, I think she's that that well that overflowed into my mom and et cetera. And, and the same from my dad and his Italian family. He, he him a little differently, right? He came from his, uh, six brothers and six sisters. So their family was like their, <laughs> their entire community. Uh, and I think they had to learn to love each other and work together. And uh, I really do think it comes from that sense of family that they both shared and wanted to kind of come together in unity to form a family of their own with us. Yeah, oh, I would agree with that. You know, it, it reminds me, I mean, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but it just reminds me of the family that you're creating in terms of the world with the work that you do, you know, bringing together people in a world of kindness and compassion. And so before I even go on a little bit further, can you share with us, you know, your entrepreneurial journey and let's get to Blankets of Hope for sure. And then we can, I can double back. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if Nick answers this question, it might take about 45 minutes. <laughs> so, Mike, why is he? Yeah, I tell like the abbreviated version of Nick's story. Uh, so in 2016, uh, we both quit our jobs. And uh, the reason why we did was because we were on this corporate hamster wheel, basically, where we were commuting into the city every day. We were living at home. And uh, Nick was working for a Fortune 100 company, New York Life, at the time as an accountant. And I was working for a startup. Um, so there was a little bit more excitement in my life because it was a startup world, but it still felt like we were doing the same thing day after day. And we just weren't feeling very fulfilled. And uh, I remember there was this one hot summer day where we were on the subway. And uh, we, you know, know how the subway is like on a really miserable hot summer day. You look around, everyone's in suits and everyone just like, looks like, you know, they're go you, you would guess that they're going to like the most miserable place on earth. Um, and they're just zombies. And we looked around and we were one of those zombies. And I remember saying to Nick, yo, let's just quit our jobs. Uh, cause we were so miserable. And he laughed at me. Then, then later on that day, I get a text from him saying like, yo, I really thought about it. I think we should do it. I was like, I'm dead serious. I, I think we should do it too. So uh, we ended up like he did his little calculations of his savings and all that stuff. And uh, the next day we went into our boss's office and we both gave our two weeks and uh, we did it extremely naively. We really had no idea what we were going to do. We just knew that we always wanted to do something together, start something together. Um, and the first idea was to start a meditation app, but then we quickly realized neither of us had the technical skills to do something like that. Um, so long story short, for the next six months, we jumped from one project to the next to the next, and we really could not catch traction on a single idea. And six months later, I had a negative bank balance. I was dead broke. Nick, you know, was Nick's a super optimistic guy, so he kept pushing us forward. But if it wasn't for Nick, I could tell you with absolute certainty, I would have quit. Um, and we were just absolutely miserable. And now I'll pass the story along to Nick because this is kind of his portion of the story. It's now the winter time. And Nick could not sleep. Yeah, so it's six months later, we quit our jobs, middle of winter, still no traction, like Mike said. And there's this one night I'm just laying in my bed and I can't sleep. You know, when your eyes are closed and your thoughts are just running on, uh, you know, this cycle. Uh, well, that was happening to me. And all of a sudden, this image of a homeless man pops into my head. And when I was commuting into my corporate job, I'd get off at Madison Square Park in the city. And every day I'd walk up the steps of the subway and I'd see this man sitting on a bench. And every day I would see him and in my head, he would make this impression on me. And I would always say, 
I'm going to help this guy. I'm going to do something to help him. I'm going to do something. And I never did. I walked right by him every single day, got into my office, to-do list takes over, and kind of that's it, kind of went on with my life. But for some reason on this night, uh, I have no idea why, it popped into my head and a little voice basically whispered and said, if not now, when? So I popped up out of my bed and I guess I answered the call and I just opened my laptop and I went to GoFundMe and I just started writing a little story about how I wanted to raise money to give blankets to people outside in the cold. I figured it was a very practical thing to do, right? Like if I was outside and someone came up to me with a blanket, I would appreciate that. And it really wasn't much deeper than that, um, to be honest. And I closed my laptop that night feeling great about myself, right? Because I finally got this thing off my chest that I kind of have been holding in for so long. And now the next day I have to tell my my brother and my business partner this idea. And I look at Mike the next day and I'm like, Mike, I got this idea. I want to blanket the homeless. And he looks at me and he's like, that's, that's really kind of you, but we're about to be homeless ourselves if we don't figure out a way to make some money for ourselves. And this is not going to do it. So I said, you're, you're absolutely right. But I just feel like we, we have to just do this now. It'll just be a quick project and then we'll get back to the drawing board. And eventually Mike saw my passion and he bought in, but Mike is someone who never likes to half-ass anything. And if he's going to do it, he's going to do it right. And that's when Mike came up with this concept of let's add a handwritten note to go along with all these blankets we hand out, right? Because growing up, our mom for birthdays and Christmas has always given us gifts, but she also gave us cards to go along with that. And what we always found is like those gifts kind of get tossed out the door, but those cards we hold on to, right? It, it really shows someone cares when they put pen to paper and, and really think about you. So Mike came up with this idea. We wrote some notes, raised some money from family and friends who felt bad for us, bought some blankets and planned to go out in the city to hand them out. So now we go out into the city one day. Uh, before we go out, we buy a little point and shoot camera to document this day to show the people who donated, look at the impact your money is making. And as you can imagine, we had just the most amazing experience ever, right? When you're giving to someone else and you expect nothing in return, that is the true juice of life. That's when you feel most alive. And I think Mike and I were feeling all those uh, emotions inside of us when we were doing this and we were seeing someone's face just light up in front of us. It was, it was so such a beautiful moment in, in time. And we, we had this great experience. We got back, we took the footage, we made this little video, we called it Blankets of Hope, posted it on our Facebook page and that's it. Blankets of Hope was done. Next year, we'll do it again as this fun family project. Now let's figure out how we're gonna actually make a living for ourselves. But God, the universe, whatever you believe in, kind of had some different plans for us. And the next night, we basically got an email that changed the entire trajectory of our life. The subject line of the email said, donation to Nick and Mike. And it went on to say, hi, my name is Todd Chafee. I'm a venture capitalist in California. Uh, I came across your video. I love what you guys are doing. I would love to provide you with mentorship and financial support. Let me know if you want to talk. And at that point, I looked at Mike and Mike looked at me and we were just like, is this like real? Is someone messing with us right now? And we did what any logical person would do. We Googled the guy's name. And the first thing that pops up is the Forbes Midas list. This dude's an investor in Netflix, Snapchat, Twitter, all these major companies. And we're just like, holy crap, this guy wants to talk to us. Like, this is insane. So we obviously email him back right away saying, hey, you know, we'd love to talk. We jump on a call with him now. And basically... For 30 minutes, he just wants to hear who we are, what we're about, what we're trying to accomplish. And at the end of the call, he just says to us, all right, you know, I like you guys and I want to help you. He said, I want you to stop everything you're doing and put all of your energy and focus 
on this idea of blankets of hope. So I really see the potential to make a big impact here. And if Mike and I are honest, I don't think we saw it at the time. <laughs> uh, we just saw it as these two guys giving out blankets. And, uh, but I think when he came into our life, we really started dreaming bigger about the impact we can make with this simple project. And we said, all right, like we did a hundred blankets this first year. Let's figure out how we're going to do a thousand, right? We had no idea how we're going to do that. It's Mike and I, mono e mono on the streets of New York City, handing out these blankets. But we said, you know what? Let's put one foot in front of the other. We'll figure it out. As we were doing that, I think that's when the second stroke of magic hit. Uh, we ended up getting some local press for what we were doing. Uh, my fifth grade teacher, who was a teacher in Delaware, sees us on the news, sends a Facebook message to us and says, hey, just saw you on the news. We have 200 students here that would love to get involved and help out. And that's kind of when the light bulb went off for us. It was like, oh my God, this is what Blankets of Hope is really about. So much bigger than ourselves, teaching the future generation to think with this mindset of kindness and compassion and giving back to their community. And ever since that day, we've just gone all in on that. That's lit us up. And uh, fast forward to today, five years later, we've partnered with schools in over 40 states across the U.S. and have delivered over 40,000 blankets of hope. I mean, it's <laughs> stellar. It's just incredible. So what is the mission? What is the mission yeah. of Blankets of Hope? That's a, that's a great question. So a lot of people will hear about Blankets of Hope and they, they kind of just say, okay, blankets are donated to people experiencing homelessness. But really what the mission is with Blankets of Hope is much deeper than that. It's to inspire a movement of kindness. It's really about how we treat each other, right? And what we've realized is the people that are living out on the streets or in shelters, they need human kindness more than anyone else, right? But the, the real value that we think we add is when we're going into these classrooms and we're teaching these students through an experience, right? How to give back to their, how to actually impact someone's life in their local community, right? These kids are going through an empathy exercise where they close their eyes and they imagine what it's like to be in that situation. After they're doing that, they're actually right, handwriting their notes that they're attaching to their blankets. And then finally we finish with a loving kindness meditation where we get them to close their eyes. Once again, they send love to themselves, their classmates, and the person that's about to receive that blanket. So it's really, it's one blanket that really impacts two lives. The student that goes through this workshop and then the person on the other end that's receiving it. And, and to come a little full circle with the first question about family talk and how you kind of led into it, the mission is to inspire this massive movement of kindness, but the vision is a world united in love. And everything that we do with Blankets of Hope really stems from this core belief that we are all connected and we are all, you know, one love, really. Um, so we really treat, we, we want basically the future generation, our future leaders to come from this place of compassion and empathy and understanding um, and lead with that. You know, we want them to lead with this understanding that there is nobody that is better than the next and that we really are one big human family. And that's really like the vision is to really have a world where everyone really is being kind to each other and trying to understand the other's perspective. Um, yeah, Claude, the way we see it is by working with kids, it's the, it's the most impact that we can have because we see it as planting seeds that 20 years from now are going to grow into beautiful trees and plants, right? Because we're kind of, their brains are so malleable at this young age, right? So if we can get into their lives and start getting them to develop this habit of community service, right? And asking these questions of how can I help? 
these are going to be the kids that eventually run our companies and run our countries, right? So if we can start getting them at that young age to develop that habit, we think these are things that are going to pay dividends way down the line. And that's the world that we're all going to be living in, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. You know, the I, I didn't really understand the, the word scale until much you know, until much later in my life. Like, how do you scale yourself? How do you scale kindness? How do you scale this? How do you scale that? <laughs> I didn't even know what halo meant. Oh, you can halo off of this. You can halo off of that. I just knew what it meant to be a good person and that that would have a ripple effect. Exactly. I probably knew the word ripple. You know, if I think yeah. about like, um, yeah, I actually know it from the great, Grateful Dead song, <laughs> Ripple. But um, uh. But what you're doing is, in effect, you are creating the ripple. You are creating scale. I love the one plus one. It's not even that one plus one equals two. It's actually how many, like that kid goes home and talks about it. That kid, they talk about it in their yeah. classroom. There's so much more of yeah. a domino there that I don't even know if you could even quantify at this moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to tell a story. When I learned kindness was contagious. Cool. And it was, well, I was on the subway one day going into my corporate job and uh, someone came on the train and they uh, were asking for money or for food. And whenever someone asked for food, it always kind of hit me in this, this place. Like that's such a basic need that we all need. And I, I it always kind of hit me in a special way. And I always kind of carried the, this little bag of almonds with me as a snack. So I reach into my bag and I get the almonds after they pass me and they're about to exit the train. I tap them on the shoulder and I give them the bag of almond and they looked at me with so much joy, but that wasn't the beautiful thing. The beautiful thing was that three people sitting on the subway right next to the, this occurrence all reached into their pocket and took out a dollar and gave it to this person. And that's when I said, wow, oh my gosh, my actions really matter, right? So the actions of these students that they're doing really matters and it's rippling on exactly like you said, so beautifully put. And that, that's really how we plan on achieving this, you know, this crazy mission of inspiring this movement of kindness is one by one, one by one, kind of rippling out. Yeah, yeah I want to add on to that to another quick side story that touched me. It's the fact that the kids are becoming the heroes of this entire story. So we just Skyped with a school out in Canada that we just partnered with. And the teacher told us a story about one of the students who wrote their note and asked the teacher if they could laminate their note. And the teacher asked, why do you want to laminate it? And the kid responded by saying, well, when it rains outside, that's probably when they're going to need to read this note the most. <laughs> and so that degree of empathy yeah. that these kids have, like yes. that, they're the heroes. They're the ones that are inspiring the adults, not yeah. the other way around. We tell people all the time, we learn so much more from the oh kids than yeah. we actually we teach them. They, they have this pureness to them, right? They haven't been jaded by the world yet. So some of the things these kids are writing in their notes are just, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. And, and also once upon a time, not too long ago, I thought about this idea of homelessness and how every single animal, I believe, I mean, I'm not a zoologist, but I believe that every animal in the animal kingdom has a home. Wow. Like, I believe that a squirrel goes wow. home every night. A bird has a nest. You know, ants have a this and, and bees have a hive. And everyone, every organism 
except for human beings has a home. Wow. Right. It's profound when you think about that. And, and like, and it's not even like to be a Debbie Downer. It's more just like, holy shit. And what you all are doing and now scaling and you're, you know, you, you, we can't, the three of us together, I think we can come close to solving homelessness, but I don't know if we can totally crack it. Yeah. And I mean that. Yeah, like, no, I, we tell people all the time, we're, we're not smart enough right. to solve the homelessness problem. Right, no, <laughs> we, we are not. We, and and, I, and you, you, the two of you are brilliant and we're not there yet. That's not what we're, that's not what we're gonna do at least this year, <laughs> maybe in a couple of years, I hope with uh, <laughs> some incredible minds. But what you're doing is this idea of bringing kindness to these people that most likely generalization haven't felt kindness in some time and not only haven't felt kindness from the outside i can only imagine what their inside world is like yeah. and their inside dialogue and so you know you, you are you know you talked about flowers and blooming and 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 there's so many there's no, so many things that are in my mind but i just think there's one thing about the kids and what you're doing in terms of being able to like create this ripple with children yeah. and then they go home and then they, they are yeah. the leaders tomorrow. But by bringing someone something very unexpected, such as yeah. a blanket and a handwritten note and changing that person's moment, day, season, yeah. is un, it's absolutely unbelievable. It is so, and it is so simple yeah and it is unbelievable and that's you know i mean that's why your hearts are so enormous and that's why i wanted to start with that because thank you it's not it's not um i don't know you're doing it that's all i can say it's not a it's not a knock on anyone else that's not doing it you guys are doing it and that's what we're thank that's you. what we're talking about thank you for it thank you go back to your thing about you know solving the homelessness uh crisis that we have i, I think one of the things that gives us hope is what we're really doing is bringing awareness to this, this issue, right? So these, some of these kids didn't even know homelessness existed, right? So now you think about, it, we've partnered with over 40,000 kids that are all aware that this problem really exists, right? And I mean, kids are geniuses. Like, do you see what they're able to come up with, right? Like kids are coming up with cures for COVID. Like it's insane what, what kids can do now with all the information they have at their fingertips. So hopefully what I, what I think would be a really awesome thing is out of all these kids that we touch, some of them kind of spark up ways to kind of solve this problem. So it is bigger than us. Yeah, and they will, and they absolutely will. And it will be whether or not it's the Gates Foundation, the Clinton Foundation, or whomever foundation, it'll be, it'll, there will be a connection, like, the, because you've lit the match, mm -hmm. you know, the sparks are flying. And the great thing is, like, the sparks are flying within you. You get lit up every single day, you knowing you're going to wake up and you're going to get more blankets into more homeless people's hands, and you're going to scale kindness in children like it's it's unbelievable Absolutely. and the thing is is neither of you have kids yet mm -mm. no we we just have three nephews and one new niece <laughs> so they are our pride and joy it's amazing so tell us a little bit more about 
like the act of getting into the schools. Like, you know, you need more, obviously you would need more teachers or, or educators to open their doors to this. What's the process there that we can know about? Yeah. You want to take it? More of a process guy. Yeah, I can give it a shot. Um, so the way that it works is if you are an educator, or know of an educator, or even if you are a youth leader of some sort, like let's say, even if it's a Sunday, you know, religion class or boys and girls club or Girl Scout, Boy Scout, if you have, if you're a youth leader of any kind, you can go to blanketsofhope.com and uh, you basically schedule a time to meet with this guy right next to me, Nick. Um, and he'll basically walk you through what partnering with Blankets of Hope would entail. And what he basically walks you through is three simple steps. So the first step is, um, basically finding the funding for us to be able to send you blankets. So let's say you had a class of, uh, let's say 32 students, um, or you wanted to get your whole school involved at 150 students, we would have to be able to send you those 150 blankets. And so you have two options. You can either um, donate and, you know, it's $5 per blanket for us to ship you those blankets. So you can either donate a lump sum for those blankets, we'll ship them to you, or you can launch a fundraiser to raise that money, uh, which will help you to set up. And then once you have those funds ready, we will ship those blankets directly to your school or organization. And it usually takes about one to two business days to do that. And then the kindness workshop is really the most exciting part. And that also gets broken down into three steps. So the first step is uh, we have all the kids close their eyes and we walk them through like this guided visualization empathy exercise. So they literally close their eyes and we tell them a story of like what it would be like to actually be experiencing homelessness. And we like get them in their feels and really make them feel what would it be like to be completely alone, to have no one that is supporting you, to have no friends, no family that's there to help you out. Like you are literally completely alone and without any hope really. Um, and once we get them in their fields, they then open their eyes and we guide them to then write their handwritten letters of encouragement. So the question that we pose to them is, now that you've gotten a chance to feel that, like to really feel that, what letter would you want to receive if you were in that situation? And then we always like try to guide them and include the words, we believe in you as like a little prompt because we just think those are like the most powerful words you can tell anyone. Um, so then once they write those letters, they attach them to their blankets uh, and then the teacher collects them. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, before the teacher collects them, they are guided through a loving kindness meditation, like Nick said earlier. So they once again, close their eyes for a little short meditation where they send love to themselves, to the person receiving the blanket, to their classmates. And it just creates this energy of love in the classroom that we hope ripples on past this experience. Uh, and then the teacher collects them and delivers them to a local homeless shelter. And that whole workshop is done virtually. So the reason we're able to be in 40 schools, I mean, 40 states across the US is because these workshops are done virtually through a series of videos that are led by me and Nick. So we're on screen and all the teacher really has to do is press play and we walk the kids through the entire workshop through video. Um, so yeah, and then the teacher just uh, finds a local homeless shelter in need and delivers them and that's really it. It's just a, the whole point of it is really to give the kids an experience because like anyone can go out there and tell a kid, you should be kind and here's why. But when they experience firsthand, like the joy of actually like doing something tangible and helping someone in need, that experience is what creates like this lasting impact in our opinion internally. And we hope that that carries on. Um, but that's basically the gist of what it's like. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's the experiential learning, which exactly we all we all are experiential learners, even if we are more analytical or more cerebral or whatever. The the act of doing, and I think just to um, just to you know mention again, the kid that wanted to laminate his yeah. note, that is just who, who thinks about that. It's crazy. Like kids, yeah. we didn't exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's just uh, it's yeah. It is. It's incredible. The the thing also, which is amazing is it's actually COVID proof what you've done because it's all on screen also with the exception of walking to driving to a homeless shelter. I mean, okay, but everything else is. Yeah, we were a little, we were a little ahead of the curve with our, you know, our virtual kindness workshop. The only, uh, you know, kind of thing we had to work through was the school closures. Um, Right. But now I, I think we're, we're picking up a lot of steam and then schools are opening all up across, across the country. So uh, that, that really hasn't been an issue. Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing. I mean, we'll definitely like have blankets of hope and where people can go for sure. So, so that people can, people can hit up the site, but also we can get more educators. And I like what yeah. you said, um, Mike, and it's funny, like I had never thought about youth groups, but of course, like that's where, you know, mm-hmm. summer camps or all those things that exactly yeah. come back into play. I hope at, at some time soon. What would you say is the your what, what what is the superpower of each of you? So Nick, what is Mike's superpower? Mike, what is Nick's superpower? Mike's superpower is his ability to take very complex things and break them down into tangible, actionable steps. That is what his real strength and superpower is uh, when I think about kind of what he brings to the table in our business. I would agree with that. Um, And to use that superpower right now, the word that I would put on that is deconstruction, like deconstructing things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Nick's superpower is, in one simple word, people. He is uh, like you, just the people person. He honestly, this is the story I tell for Nick. If you put Nick in any one-on-one sales meeting, like where he's trying to sell something, I give him a 100% guarantee that he's going to make that sale just because his passion is so freaking contagious. It's like the, like the person on the receiving end of what Nick's talking about is like on the edge of their seat. Like, like they can barely breathe because they just want to keep hearing what he has to say. Cause he's just so damn passionate about what he's talking about. So I think it's his ability to connect with people um, and to really bring out the best in them and to inspire them to want to take action in some way. Agree. I I think he he gave me a little too much props. One hundred percent. Humility also is a big superpower. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I I do think that I just have a genuine love of people, yeah. and uh, I I do think that that shines when I when I meet with people. I I really just want the best for every person that I come in contact with, and I think that makes it really easy to connect with them because I genuinely want that person that I'm speaking to, to, you know, be their best selves. I know. I know you guys are amazing. I believe in you both so much. Like it's. And and the feeling is mutual, Claude, but seriously, we honestly, we wouldn't be where we are today without you. So thank you for being exactly (laughs) who you are 
Uh, you're a beautiful soul, and we are so fortunate to have you in our life. I love you both. I love you both. I'm I'm so excited to see where 2021 takes BOH. <laughs> Us too. Us too. So Claude, being that you know our our whole brand here is kindness and giving, how can we be of service to you? How can we be helpful? You are. I mean, you guys are so helpful because you're doing. You know, let's just call it. You're doing God's work. You're doing the work that is needed to bring this revolution to the forefront, you know, to create a revolution of kindness. And we're close. We're getting close. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm, I mean, for you to say that, that's a big deal, actually. That's a big, that's <laughs> why, a big deal. Why, why me? Well, Nick, and I'm the Nick and I just know that to be. But, yeah. you know, you like to click into things a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I know that you've probably like read a ton of articles right now or a ton of books, or you've done something to also give you a little bit of the, the quant as much as the, the qual, you know, Nick and yeah, I, are yeah, just yeah. Like, of course, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> happening. but for yeah. you to say that, that is, that's a beautiful thing too. I have a question. Yeah, Every, every kid that participates is one step closer. Yeah. So it's, it's every kid that participates and goes through this and realizes that they can be of service to someone else other than themselves, I think is that's a very tangible thing that we can hold on to. Right. So the goal is to do a million blankets by 2025. Right. And that means a million students have gone through this workshop and that means a million people in need have been blanketed in love and hope. So I think those are going back to my, you know, Mike's way of thinking about things. Those are very, quantitative yeah. things that we can touch and feel and and know that we're moving closer to that vision yeah i know and to cross the pond with it i mean you've already gone into canada so to cross the pond to go south i mean there's there's we can do it we can absolutely do it so the last question i have is what when you hear the phrase emotional optimism what does emotional optimism mean to you well, the first thing that comes to mind is Claude. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you, you, uh, you have embodied it and you are it to the T. You are the textbook for emotional optimism. Um, so that, that's the first thing that All comes right. to mind. Thank you. But in a, a much deeper level from my own perspective, emotional optimism is basically not it's, it's realizing that we all have emotions, right? And th that there is no bad emotions, but looking at them in the most positive light that we can possibly look at them. Uh, that's what emotional optimism is to me. Yeah, I, I don't think, know if you would agree with that. I think also touching on that, the thing that comes to mind for me is, like Nick said, a lot of times people like misconstrue optimists and think that they are not realists and think that like, you know, they're happy all the time, like no matter what, but that's not really the case. It's more so being aware, like awareness is a key part of what emotional optimism, in my opinion, like being aware that you will feel sad sometimes and you will feel angry sometimes, but having the awareness and the consciousness to look at that kind of detach from it, realize that those emotions are not necessarily you and realizing that you have a choice to move forward in a positive direction and use those emotions as messages 
telling you what is the best possible next step in your life. You know, what is the best decision to make when you look at those negative emotions? Yeah, basically, what are these emotions trying to teach? Exactly, it's they, using every adversity or setback, me? and then how can I take that communication in the best possible way forward? Yeah, it's using everything as fuel for positivity. Agree, love it. I'm like I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking all of that. I love, <laughs> you know, and I, I like both. What I mean, I, I agree with everything you said for sure, of course, because because I think we're so linked. And it's, you know, for me, it's so not toxic optimism. It's not toxic positivity. It's not like um, Pollyanna yeah. or painting everything pink. It's like, right, right. yeah, we all have emotions and some of them are really intense. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to reframe. Exactly. And I also realized like thinking about homeless people and this is a generalization, I, I also know that I have, I'm entitled that I even get that opportunity. And I don't know if everyone who's sleeping on the streets gets that opportunity based on their own emotional wellness. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to be really mindful of that. And I hope that That's there's true. a day that, that I just hope there's a day that we can make sure that every single person has a safe home. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That would be beautiful. Both physically and what, what is your yeah. definition, Claude, or how it's, would it's really yeah, I mean, it's really that it's it's the um, it's the uh, the understanding that emotions are emotions are they 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 tell us something they are guideposts in some way shape or form uh, emotions come and go pretty quickly yep and so identify hold them for as long as you need to maybe a little less and then you know the sun will shine tomorrow. You know, there will exactly. be, you take those and they will sh show you the light um, in a positive way, you know? Yep. And that's just, I don't know, it's just my way of being like, not certainly not to negate the emotion and not to, not, not to negate whatever the um, experience was that gave you the emotion because those things are really real. Yeah. But to move through that because I believe that this world needs more optimism, more positivity, because that then pays. It's the currency for kindness and the currency for empathy. Wow. Um, and think of things in a way that are not destructive or toxic or just like Debbie Downer all day long. You know, you can lift Absolutely. yourself and you can lift others. And that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. You know that. All right. I love you guys. Thank you so much. This is amazing. Love you. Blankets of hope. And thank you for doing all the work that you do every single day. You're the best. Ditto. <laughs> Feel the same way about you. Thank you for being your clock. Love you. Love you. <laughs>